What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Prime Sports Podcast. This is our 14th episode of the season, and we just got done with the divisional round of the NFL playoffs. Join me to talk about it is our co-host Pete Rios, Tony Sutton, and Blake Elijah. And, you know, this was a matchup of a lot of great quarterbacks. Daniel Jones maybe being the worst of the bunch, but it's 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 a young and exciting moment for the league right now as far as quarterbacks come obviously the best teams are enjoying are enjoying the fruits of that um but most notably we're going to start with the Jaguars and the Chiefs game obviously Trevor Lawrence has been riding this wave of playing extremely well the second half of the season he had that bad start against the Chargers right through four picks but then he brought them back from 27-0 and they're playing Patrick Mahomes who's been the best quarterback this season and the Chiefs, who have been the best team in the AFC this season. Blake, what did you make of this game? The Chiefs ultimately came out and won 27-20. Uh, Patrick Mahomes injured his ankle, and Chad Henney came in and had a really, really clutch uh, touchdown drive that we'll get into a little bit more because I think that was that pretty much sealed the game. But, yeah, talk to me how you felt about Trevor Lawrence's performance and what you saw from the Chiefs and Patrick Mahomes. I mean, Trevor Lawrence's performance was not his best performance, we'll say that. Um, I don't think he necessarily did anything to lose that game. Um, He definitely was playing well enough to win. They had some bad, bad turnovers at the towards the end of the game with Jamal Agnew fumbling when no one touched him. And then Trevor Lawrence did end up throwing another pick on the second to last drive, I believe. Um, But I love what I've seen from the Jags this year. Uh, I think they have a crazy good future. I think they're going to be in the running for a long time. But this game was just a – you went up against the juggernaut in Mahomes. It's – you can't – it's so hard to get past – a player like Mahomes, even one foot or not at this point, like it's it's insane. It's literally insane what Mahomes accomplished. I I was the believer on when I saw that injury and I saw how bad it was. Even the first couple of drives when he came back, I was like, they need to take him out. Chad Henney played well enough yeah. on that drive, and in my head, it was like, you need to play with Chad Henney and take a chance that you guys can get through this game and Mahomes can come back next game. But Mahomes proved me wrong. He had his, he had his Jordan flu game almost. It was insane. (laughs) It was insane to watch. It was impressive. And, and I'm, even though I was going for the Jaguars hard, I'm glad I got to watch a performance like that from Mahomes. Yeah, it it was impressive. Tony, you've been, you know, advocating that Mahomes has been the best player this season from the beginning of the year, you know, even when people had Josh Allen or Jalen Hurts or Tyreek Hill, whoever it's been, you've been pretty adamant that, you know, Patrick Mahomes is that guy. What impresses you most about Patrick Mahomes, especially after seeing that injury? And what do you think the well we'll say we'll save that for the preview what what impresses you the most from Mahomes because he's obviously been doing it all year long and the, <clears throat> and the fact that he's able to come back after hurting his ankle and seeing the kind of pain that he was in 
to be able to perform that way is pretty spectacular. Well, you know, the thing that impresses me most about Mahomes, and especially from this game, is his competitiveness. I really think that Patrick Mahomes has the right mentality to be a quarterback in this league, and he's been able to be consistently um, a fiery competitor, a leader of the team, someone that refuses to give up on himself even when situations aren't going their way. You think about the you know Super Bowl run that they did have, you know, coming back against the Texans, coming back against the Titans, and ultimately coming back against the 49ers for their Super Bowl win. And even in a devastating loss like against the Buccaneers, where despite being down so many scores, he was literally throwing balls, you know, sideways while getting hit, and they were right on the money. So you you saw it again with this. He made a one-legged jumping throw in the end zone there, um, looked off the safety while he was doing it. That's one of the most impressive throws I've seen in a playoff game. I get that it wasn't for big air yardage and it wasn't the flashiest play we've ever seen, but the degree of difficulty to make a throw like that while you're injured against a, a Jaguars defense that has been playing really well in the second halves of games, uh, these last like six games, uh, they've been very good, very on the money in the second half. But ultimately, Patrick Mahomes was able to lead this team, keep it afloat against a good young Jags team that was, you know, right in this game for the majority of it, chomping at the bits. And Mahomes just refused to quit, refused to let this one, you know, get out of hand. He could have just, you know, not played. He could have said it was the injury and ran it back next year. But he wants to play the next game. He wants to give his team a chance to win. And he wants to win Super Bowls. And, you know, that kind of mindset is what's going to get you far in this league. And I think Mahomes exemplifies it perfectly. Yeah, there's no doubt that Mahomes is a superstar. And he, he's he's easily becoming the face of the league. And putting out performances that way is obviously only going to make you look better. Pete, it's obviously more of a weapons-driven league now in these times than it has been in, in past times. And part of that is who your quarterback can throw the ball to or hand it off to. And right now, Patrick Mahomes might have the best weapon in the NFL in Travis Kelsey, who had 14 catches, I believe. Something crazy. He was just short of 100 yards, I believe. He had like 98. And then Isaiah away from tying the record. For playoffs, yep. And then Isaiah Pacheco, you know, seventh round rookie from Rutgers, I believe. 12 carries, 95 yards. Average basically 8 yards a carry, 7.9. How do you contain or how do you hope to contain Travis Kelsey? And what impresses you the most about that Pacheco and Jarek McKinnon combo in that backfield that obviously is just working like magic right now? Bro, I think Pacheco came, he came out, I mean, he he's had a good season. I mean, he's had some plays here and there. You can see the you can see the potential of how hard he runs. And um, dude, I think for the, the fact that he had that, what, 38, 39-yard run whenever Chad Henney was in was yep. huge. Because, like, yes, Chad Henney was in at quarterback, but, I mean, and he threw the one-yard touchdown pass to Kelsey, but he only accounted for 23 passing yards. Um, <clears throat> Pacheco, with that 40-yard run, really made that drive. Um I don't think if you ask somebody at the beginning of the season that their corner and Watson and that Pacheco were going to be big game changers in this game, they would have thought that. 
Um, but they came up big. I mean, Pacheco, though, man. I mean, I had a little bit of I had a little bit of doubt about him, bro. But just watching how hard he runs, and it just seems like he wants it more. <laughs> he wants every yard more than everybody on the field. Like he he. There's there's not enough to say about it. I mean, McKinnon obviously had a crazy into the regular season. Um, I know they didn't play. I know the Chiefs didn't play last week, and he didn't do too much in this game. But <clears throat> just like like they were saying, bro, just having Patrick Mahomes back there, he's just a playmaker. I mean, he just creates plays. I mean, even with that ankle, I mean, you've seen him. You've seen him. What um, it was the the. First drive that he came in, you see him, he scrambled out. He he broke through a tackle on one foot. He hopped through a broken tackle and then scrambled, you know, to get closer <laughs> to the first down. I don't think it was the first down, but I want to say it was Josh Allen going for the tackle, if I'm not mistaken. Um, dude, Patrick Mahomes is different, bro. I mean, I, we can only hope that he plays this weekend. Yeah, I I don't think there's a doubt that he'll play, but hopefully he'll he's good enough to where it doesn't affect him too much. But there, there's no denying that the Kansas City Chiefs are rolling right now, and they're just impressive. And Mahomes is, I think, on another level by himself right now. Like, I think yeah, it's Brian. Mahomes, there's a little space, and then you can go, like, Burrow, Allen, Herbert, Lawrence, whatever, whatever order, you, you know, you want to go. But I just feel like... And I think... I think- Travis Kelsey, I mean, this is probably arguable. Y'all can probably make some good points. But I think he is the biggest gap at his position than anybody else in the NFL. Like, you look at the best players at each position, and I think he is far and above anybody else. Like, you can look at the best receiver, the best quarterback in the NFL, you know, the best running back. I just think his step from tight end one to tight end two is just the biggest jump in the NFL right now. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, he seems like he's on another level. I, I mean, I'm they, not. I'm there's not, arguments for sure. I'm not. I'm not gonna say Mark Andrews, but I think George Kittle is not far from him. To be honest, he, George in in the at the the last half of the season, yes, because I mean George Kittle. I mean, he had a decent season, <laughs> but the way he's been playing the last three weeks of the regular season and into these playoffs, it is it is, is arguable in that fact. But if you look at the season as a whole, it's just. It's by far Kelsey. I also think, I think you have to big... consider that Kelsey is the guy in Kansas exactly. City. Kittle hasn't Kittle hasn't been getting the volume, but now that he's got Debo and McCaffrey, all of a sudden the defense's attention are in two other places now. You can't cover all three of them, and George Kittle has been able to capitalize, get himself open to his credit. He's a phenomenal talent. I've always been very big on George Kittle. I've been very adamant about him being in the top three tight ends for sure. And he's proving it now that he has, uh, you know, less men on him uh, and more opportunities now. And that offense with Kyle Shanahan, they've just been able to get the ball to pretty much all of their weapons. And he's been a big, uh, his numbers have definitely been big because of that. He damn near single-handedly won my fantasy championship, bro. He went crazy <laughs> the end of the season. <laughs> yeah, I mean, Kelsey's been consistent. You know, he just consistently is just nonstop. It, every, it seems like every game. Like, no, you're going to get four touchdowns. You're going to get 12 or 14 catches. You're going to get 180 yards receiving. Like, you're, he's just consistently producing. Um, let's talk about the Jaguars real quick before we move on to the next game. 
obviously they had an impressive run here and Trevor Lawrence really took that step and kind of solidified himself as that number one pick with that potential that everybody was hoping he would have. There are a few pieces away, and I think most people would agree that the Jaguars have overachieved getting to this point. But next season, they come back, they'll have ETN hopefully is healthy, Lawrence hopefully, like the re- everybody's healthy, and then you add Calvin Ridley mm-hmm. to that Christian Kirk and Zay Jones receiving combo. And Evan Ingram's a free agent, but I, I would expect him to be back, back because he was such a huge part of that offense. And Trevor Lawrence relied on him so much in the red zone. Yeah. So I, I 100% expect uh, Evan Ingram to be back. So now Alvin, adding Calvin Ridley to that offense and maybe, you know, adding a few pieces to the O-line and then helping the defense a little bit more. Is this a team that you guys expect to see in the playoffs again? And do you think Calvin Ridley helps give them that extra little jump? Or do you think they're still uh, two or three seasons away from really being like Super Bowl contenders? I think I think they're a playoff team next season, at least playoff caliber team. Do I think they're a Super Bowl contending team? No. I think they're a couple pieces away offensively. They're a couple pieces away defensively to be able to consider them a Super Bowl contender. But I definitely think going into next season, they're going to be locked in as a as a playoff team in the AFC, especially with that division. Yeah, yeah I but, agree. Like, I, th- I, th- I think they're for sure a playoff team. And uh, if you notice, man, I mean, they ha- they started off the season pretty slow. And whenever I mean, that offense started clicking with Doug Peterson and Trevor Lawrence, that's when they really took off. I mean, I know that what they finished, was it nine and eight or something like that? Mm-hmm. Um, I just think you give them another, another offseason with the new head coach. Um, obviously, see what they do, see what moves they make in the offseason. But I think for sure they're a playoff team. I mean – Unless for some reason Trevor Lawrence falls off and starts to play like he did last year as a rookie or early in the season, but other than that, they're for sure gonna. I see him for sure making it back. Tony, how you feel about it? I dare to even say that the Jags are going to be running the AFC South for the foreseeable future. Um, I can see that. They're they're the most talented team in that division. I think by a good chunk. I I think they have the best future and the. Rest of those teams, you know, maybe minus the Texans, but who knows what they do. But the Colts and Titans specifically, I think they're both on the downward trend here. We could see some we could see some rebuilding from either one of those teams, depending on how this next season goes. And the Jags, I think they're only gonna get better. Calvin Ridley was a huge pickup for them. We all kind of questioned it at the time, but now, I mean, that move looks great in hindsight now. Um, that's going to be one of the better receiving rooms in the league. If they can get even Evan Ingram back, which I agree, I think they will. That offense is going to be a top five, top three offense. Another year with Trevor Lawrence and Doug Peterson together. I think they're a great fit quarterback and head coach wise. So I know it's it's also crazy to think they let go of James Robinson in the beginning, bro. I thought that was a bad move at first because Obviously, we didn't see what ETM was capable of, but, I mean, it just seems like now yeah. at the end of the season, they made all the right moves. Yeah, I mean, so hats off to them. Round of applause because the Jaguars, unfortunately, are out, but that I think they impressed a lot of people getting to that game, and obviously the Chiefs handled business as they should. 
It was easy to root for too, bro. After being bad for so long and seeing them make that huge jump, I just feel like they're easy to root for. I feel like nobody hates them, you know what I mean? Yeah, no, nah, they're a team that everybody's rooting for. But um, moving on to our next game, it was our first NFC matchup of the weekend. The Giants and the Eagles. Um, this was another divisional matchup that we've seen twice earlier this season where the Eagles where the Eagles, sorry, came out on top in both matchups. And the Giants obviously came off an impressive win over the Vikings. Sorry, Tony, but <laughs> I'm not sorry because you guys suck. Um Daniel Jones, Damn. who looked like Aaron Rodgers against the Vikings last week, kind of came back to earth against the Eagles when he faced an actual defense. Um, he went 15 for 27. <laughs> I'm sorry, Tony, I had to. <laughs> Whatever question you're about to ask about this game, ask me it first. <laughs> <laughs> Look, I've been getting a lot of shit all season, so... <laughs> Um, Daniel Jones obviously came back to earth and didn't play really well. That Eagles defense was really suffocating. And Saquon Barkley, same thing. They kind of contained him. He only had nine rushes. So the Giants really struggled, and the Eagles dominated in every facet of the game. And they ultimately won 38-7, to which was, an, I mean, an easy win for him, what everybody expected. Jalen Hurts looked like he was struggling a little bit with that shoulder injury. But he was able to bounce back. Uh, Kenneth Gainwell had a great game, had 112 yards rushing, and Sanders also had 90. Hertz added 34, and then Bar- uh, Boston Scott, another touchdown. He's the giant killer. I think that's his like 11th touchdown against them. So they were able to run the ball extremely well and just dominate this whole game. Tony. How do you feel about the Eagles at this point, having faced both these teams and have the Eagles solidified themselves as that best team in the NFC? I think they have. The Philadelphia Eagles are a machine right now. You know, you put teams in front of them and you're still going to get that good running game from them. You're going to get great offensive line play from them. You're going to get great defensive play for them. I just feel like they're, they're a well-oiled machine. Um, And I think, you know, a lot of their success comes from, you know, their management, coaching. Um, they had a really quick turnaround, I feel like, since their last Super Bowl win. It feels like a lot of people are like, oh, the Eagles suck again. And then all of a sudden they're great again. It's like, whoa, what happened? Um, Jalen Hurts has been playing extremely well. And when you have, you know, good front office, good coach, good quarterback play and a good defense, you're going to see great results. And, uh, you know, the Las Vegas Raiders have zero of those four things. So I think that uh, we're not going to be seeing them in a championship game for some time. Uh, I deserve that. Uh, Pete, obviously these are two divisional teams that you have faced twice both this season as well. Similar to Tony, what do you expect? expect from this Eagles team who just dominated in every every facet of the game. And the Giants, obviously, again, a team like the Jaguars, who I believe overachieved, impressed a lot of people. Brian Dable might be the coach of the year. What do you make of Jalen Hurts and this Eagles team who really didn't pass all that well, but they didn't really need to? Oh, man. I mean, you know how much I hate them, but, bro, like like Tony said, they look so 
fucking good, bro. I mean, I, uh, it's hard going going before the game. I was hoping the Giants had a little bit more form. You know, the Giants yeah. been playing hungry. Their defense is playing pretty good. Obviously, their offense has been there, but oh, it hurts to say. But I don't see anybody beating them. I mean, their offense is there. I mean, granted, they don't have to pass, but if they do have to pass, I mean, it seems easy to them. They got Goddard. They got Smith. They got A.J. Brown. I mean, Quez Watkins will make some plays uh, down the field here and there when it's needed. I mean, they got the run game. Jalen Hurts' step from last year is it's pretty crazy to me. I mean, he went from everybody saying he, he wasn't good, he wasn't really that good, you know, like to – I mean, in the MVP conversation. I know he missed yeah. the two games with a shoulder injury, and he might have lost it in that retrospect to Mahomes, but – I mean, you look at his numbers this year compared to last year. It's pretty crazy. Um, it just shows, like Tony said, I mean, you, you got a good front office. That team does not draft very well. That's why they go crazy free agency, especially this past year. Um, yeah. But that front office knows how to run that team. I mean, look look at what they, they put around Jalen Hurts. I mean, they just put him in a position to succeed. They got a great offensive line. We obviously – their receivers uh, – so I don't know if the 49ers are going to beat them, bro. I mean, no matter what defense they go against, bro, they can beat you. I mean, they can pass it or they can run it. Whatever they need to do. I mean, Jalen Hurts, I understand his shoulders hurt, but his uh his legs aren't hurt, bro. I mean, his ability to get out of that pocket and create plays. His receivers are smart. They get open. They come back towards them. It just, like Tony said, bro, they're just a well-oiled machine. I mean, it looks like they can do no wrong, even if – they have a couple turnovers here and there. Jalen Hurts might throw an interception. I know he didn't throw many this year. But – and with that defense, bro, I mean, having Hassan Reddick out there, getting him as a free agent and putting him on the line where he belongs. He doesn't belong as an offline – I mean, an off-ball linebacker like yeah. he was playing last year. Um, dude, I mean, they just got it all. I mean, I, I could go on all day about how they're good everywhere, so – just, yeah, I mean, dude, they're good. They, <laughs> I hate to I, say I, it, man. I had my doubts about them, obviously. Even with the bye week, I still wasn't sure what Jalen Hurts would look like. I, I questioned them a little bit. I still think, I still think, obviously, they were a top three team. I, I'm not sure if they were my number one team, but they've been consistent all year. And once again, they have all these weapons on offense that they can carry them. Like I said, Miles Sanders, Gainwell, AJ Brown, Devontae Smith, Dallas Goddard. Jalen Hurts, but Pete, you mentioned it, and Blake, I want to ask you because you're a defensive guy as as a Baltimore Raven fan. Hassan Reddick, I mean, the impact he's had this season, and you know, as a Raider fan, I was a little upset with um, Max Crosby getting snubbed on some of the All Pro lists. And don't get me wrong, all of these players, Hassan Reddick, Michael Parsons, Nick Bosa, like they're like they're all deserving. Miles Garrett, who I think Crosby should have made it over, but Hassan Reddick has been killing it this year. And just that Eagles defense, I mean, the, just the depth. I mean, Stu came in like the in the fourth quarter and he was fresh. Yeah. I mean, granted mm -hmm. he's old, granted he's not the same player he was, you know, five, seven, eight years ago. But you have a fresh Indomitian Sue coming in on the fourth quarter to pass rush. Like, that's scary. So so what do you make of this Eagles defense and what makes them so scary paired up with that offense? They're just good in all facets. 
literally look at every level of that defense and you have high-quality playmakers, high-quality players, play, players that can be considered for a Pro Bowl in every single level of that defense. Uh, number one is is the front seven, like you guys were talking about. That pass rush, they can get it from the inside. They can get it from the outside. They can really collapse a pocket easily, and we saw that against the Giants where, what was it, five or six sacks against yeah. Daniel Jones? Um, but even just saying the five, six sacks, they had him under pressure. He was scared. He looked rattled all game. He couldn't do anything, and it was it was it was crazy to watch. It was, I mean, it's scary to watch for the 49ers. Seeing that type of defense coming into play the 49ers and with the rookie quarterback, first time in an NFC championship, it's gonna be worrisome, but um, hey, it's, it's crazy how good that defense is. I didn't think going into the season that they were going to be what they were at all. I honestly didn't believe that the secondary was really any good. I was a, a big doubter of Darius Slay. Um, their linebackers don't have any big names, but they're playing above average. And that defensive line, Brandon Graham is still playing, even though he's up there in age, Hassan Raddick came in and got 16 sacks this year. It's just yeah. it's been it's been crazy to watch the transformation of the Eagles' defense and offense this year. Yeah, and hats off to Nick Sirianni. I think he deserves a shout out for all the work he's done with that team. Obviously, like a lot of people weren't sure about him after last year, <clears throat> and a lot of people thought, hey, you know, the Eagles are improving. They might, you know. They were a playoff team, but we're not quite sure how good they really are. And, you know, they, they really just came out swinging this year. And honestly, they look to be very competitive for the next few years. And really, the entire NFC East is going to be competitive for the next few years. I, it, that's a very good division right now. So it was be really interesting of- to see who they re-sign, bro. The Eagles have so many people on one-year deals, dude. Um, yeah, well, I mean, the good thing is, and after a, a performance like, like this, players. bro, and yeah, and if they're in, if they're younger players or whatever the case may be, with how many free agents they have, they're gonna want to go get some more deals. They're gonna want to get money from somewhere else because the way they just performed this year. Well, uh, let me ask you this before we move on to the next matchup. Uh, all three of you guys, do you think the Eagles should re-sign Miles Sanders or let him walk? I say let him walk. I say let him walk too. I mean, he's he's been solid. I mean, this is obviously, if I'm not mistaken, his best season of his career. Mm-hmm. Um, it could be due to having AJ Brown, fucking Devontae Smith on the outside, of Dallas Goddard. So uh, I think you let him walk, bro. I mean, they also have two Pro Bowlers on their offensive line. It's it sucks because you know being a Cowboys fan, we paid a running back. You just, I mean, you don't pay running backs nowadays, bro. At least. Unless they're a top three, I guess, in the NFL, you just don't pay them that big money, especially That's on an offense like that. I mean, they – I I say they don't rely on the run game, but, I mean, they do. I mean, but their offensive line, I mean, what do you focus on, bro? Do you focus on their fucking receivers and tight end, or do you focus on their running backs? I mean, I feel like there's enough talent out there to get somebody a little bit cheaper. To yeah, put in yeah. Field. cheaper or more bang for your buck. If you're going to spend big money on a running back, get one that's better than Miles Sanders. And if you want to yeah. spend less money on someone 
then go get somebody that's cheaper and you can still have them run efficiently behind that offensive line. Yeah, that's exactly how I feel. I feel like he just priced himself out of the Eagles. I don't think it's a necessarily – I think he's a perfect fit, fit with the Eagles, but mm-hmm. I think he definitely priced himself out. You think you can see him somewhere like maybe, I don't know, Buffalo? It could happen. Yeah, yeah I can see that. That would be, that would be, a, that'd be a big jump for them too. I mean, I like Devin Singletary, but, I mean, Sanders is better than Devin Singletary. But I don't know. Who knows? I mean – James Cook had a pretty good ending ending to the season after a really, really slow start. So we'll see what they decide to do. They also have a lot of free agents. Yeah. Well, speaking of the Bills, they were hosting the Cincinnati Bengals for the first Sunday matchup um, of this divisional round. And obviously the season has been dedicated to DeMar Hamlin, especially after his injury towards the end of the season. And they were kind of riding this emotional wave throughout the playoffs through the first game. And it's been a Bills team that's really looked kind of shaky to a lot of people. You know, they're still winning. They're still dominant at some points. But they still create turnovers. And they still find themselves in these closed games against teams that they shouldn't be in closed games with. It was a beautiful game. No. Bengals are wearing their white jerseys, Bills with their blue. And it was a highly anticipated matchup, obviously, that these teams didn't get to play in their first meeting because of the injury. Uh, Tony, how about you get us started here? Um, What did you make of this matchup? Because once you three are done, I'll have my little take on this. Mm. What did you make of the Bengals' 27-10 win against the Buffalo Bills? I mean, the Bills' offense just didn't show up to this game. And the Bengals' offense absolutely did. Joe Mixon looked unstoppable in the snow. I got flashbacks to the Sean McCoy game in Buffalo um, and just how he was able to have his way with the Bills' defense. Joe Shiesty had those two great drives at the beginning of the game there. And the Bills... Bills just did not have a response for this team. I'm not sure if it was the weather, if it was Josh Allen, if it was coaching. I don't know what it was, but they looked out of sorts. Josh Allen wasn't throwing nearly as accurate of a ball as we're used to seeing him throw. Stefan Diggs was in jail for most of the game. And I, I, I was this wasn't what I was expecting. I had the Bills winning this game. But I feel like we all had it being a close game, no matter who we had winning. It was going to be a close game. I don't think yeah. anybody saw multiple scores being the deficit here. But the Bills just couldn't get anything to be consistently a positive for them. And the Bengals were able to kill them in multiple ways. And it it, it just became too much for them. Yeah, I mean, obviously the Buffalo offense was nowhere near what we've come to expect from them and we've talked about the Josh Allen turnovers but the lack of a run game I mean if you take away Josh Allen's running uh running stats Buffalo's ranked 30th in running like I I just there's not enough production your entire offense is based off just purely Josh Allen and that's kind of similar to my point with the Ravens it's so reliant on Lamar Jackson 
that at some point these players are going to need help. They need somebody else to help carry the load at times because it's just so much on them. And look, you put the ball more in Josh Allen's hands and he turns the ball over. He, he, you know, he lost Brian Dable this season and, you know, he's, he's nowhere near as clean as he was last year. So it's, it's a big, it's a big, big difference. Blake, the Cincinnati Bengals are obviously in your division with the Ravens. What did you make of this performance by Joe Burrow and Joe Mixon and the Bengals offense? But maybe even more, again, the defense. It's not a defense that most of us come to expect to be like, oh, this, you know, top five, top 10 defense, especially not a defense that we expect to shut down the Buffalo offense the way they did. So what did you make about that? And then obviously Buffalo's inability to move the ball, really. You're really trying to make me talk about Joe Joe Shiesty, of all people right now. <laughs> um, I mean, if we're going to talk about the Bengals' defense, they're definitely a top 10 defense. I, I can't give them the top five yet. They, they play just solid bend but don't break defense, and they, they do good at taking the ball away. I don't know if you guys saw what Eli Apple had to say on Twitter about Stephon Diggs, Cancun in three, and all this nonsense, man. It's they just they play with a swagger. They, I mean, I think it kind of radiates from what Joe Burrow and that offense is bringing. They play with the confidence. They they're not scared from anyone, and and it and it shows. They they make big hits. They make big plays, and no matter who they play against. It, they're not phased. They're not phased of Josh Allen's running threat. They'll come up and hit you. So it's 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 been impressive to watch the Bengals' defense play. Um, I will say I wasn't impressed with Joe Burrow's game, but he didn't need to do anything impressive. It, mm-hmm. Joe Mixon really kind of took that game over. I was very disappointed in the Buffalo Bills' defense. I, I thought, once again, I thought they were a top five defense, and they did not show any signs of that. They, they felt, I felt like Bengals could do whatever they wanted to do in that game. If they wanted Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase to connect, or even T. Higgins, Tyler Boyd, if they wanted to do it, they can do it. But they were able to just hand it off to Joe Mixon, let him get his five, six yards every play, and just bully the Buffalo Bills defense. It was, it was sad to watch. It was, it was, it was crazy. Cause I mean, as you guys know, I had Bills winning the Super Bowl this year. So that goes straight down the drain with, with that type of win or that type of loss, I should say. Yeah. I mean, obviously the Bengals are a team that I've at least mentioned that they've been a scary team all, all season long. And like you guys mentioned, mentioned the, 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 these, these weapons that they have, Joe Mixon, 105 yards, Hayden Hurst, five catches, 61 yards, a touchdown, or five catches, 59 yards, and a touchdown. Sorry, Jamar Chase, five catches, 61 yards, and a touchdown. Uh, T. Higgins, three for 28. Uh, Pirine had five for 31. This is a, just a Bengals offense that's clearly moving the ball, and it was an impressive win. I think I think a lot of people were really impressed with the Bengals. But this Buffalo performance was just incredibly, incredibly disappointing. Pete, 
obviously Tony and Blake have kind of chimed in on that, but kind of explain, kind of tell us a little bit what you think Buffalo needs to do here to bounce back next season and be a little more consistent with what they put out because there was a lot of inconsistency this season. And this game was kind of that cherry on top where it, it left a really bad mouth in, uh, in Bill's mafia. Bro. I think uh, we mentioned a little bit earlier, bro. They need a fucking running back. I mean, the way uh, and the way that they've been winning these games. Obviously, they've been passing it. Um, dude, they did not pass it enough to the running back out the backfield like they have been. They didn't give James Cook the opportunity. I mean, he's a good receiving back. Singletary is typically a good receiving back. They, Singletary got all his yards pretty much at the end of the game on the last drive. He got like two or three dump offs. Um, They just got demolished, bro. I mean, you you let the Bengals score 27. I mean, I know that's not a good mark, but the what we expect from this Bills offense, 27, I mean, they should have been able to at least keep up with that, if not score more than that. Um, I, I really don't know what went wrong with them, bro. They just looked like they were not ready. Like, like Blake said, bro, it was just sad to watch. Like, they couldn't do anything. I mean – they hand the ball off its stuff. They throw the ball. It's fucking. It's dropped or it's. He's sacked. I mean, he just couldn't do anything. Um. As to what they need to do, bro. I mean, besides get a running back and establish a run game, which is something they haven't had the past two years. I mean, I don't even know if Josh Allen has had a good running game since he's been the quarterback, other than him, other than himself. Um. I mean, they got the tight end. They got the. The wide receiver one and wide receiver two, I mean, locked down. It's good enough receivers, especially having digs. I mean, Gabe Davis is uh, up and down, but, I mean, he's good enough as a wide receiver two over there. He does have his big games. Um, and surprisingly, he didn't have a big game. I mean, he dropped a big pass. But with Diggs getting locked down like that and getting focused, uh, I do like how he used Dawson Knox. I think um, I think that was, the, that was good by the offense. But other than that, I mean – they need a fucking run game, bro. And like you said, Steve, I mean, they, you shut down Josh Allen's ability to run or get out the pocket and create a play. I mean, that offense looks kind of dead. So, I mean, kind of kind of like the Eagles did to Daniel Jones. I mean, we've seen Daniel Jones have a couple of good games this year. He's able to run. He's able to roll out. He's able to give the ball to Barkley, you know, keep the defense on their toes. It's just something the Bills could not do. Um, I don't know. I think they're, uh, they're little, the little, the Bills reign. I mean, it might be over, bro. I mean, I don't know. If, I don't know if they're gonna get it, bro. I mean, they had their chance last year. We thought they had their chance this year. I don't know what else they can really do, to be honest with you. And like you said, losing losing a uh, Brian Dabble was huge. I mean, we've seen what he did with Daniel Jones this year. We've seen what he did to Josh Allen last year. They got to find something. They got to find a fucking running back. Yeah. No. It, I mean, it was a huge loss, and that, that's why I mentioned that. But Tony, like you had said, also. It was a game we all expected to be significantly closer. I mean, I don't really think anybody had either one of these teams blowing the other one out in the the way the Bengals did, where they controlled the game for the majority of the uh of the of the game. But that being said, I got I gotta say it. I called it. I <laughs> I know I'm big on the weapons and who's scary and who's not, but I was just going with the Bengals have been playing well. They've won 10 games in a row at this point. Joe Burrow, 
is the second best quarterback in the league. I'd say I'm impressed, but I expected this. But I am extremely underwhelmed underwhelmed by Buffalo. I don't know if they truly can win a Super Bowl or not. I, I want I still think they'll be competitive for the next few years. I don't think they're out of it yet. But they definitely need a top tier running back and they need to get healthy on defense because they, they battled with a lot of injuries. Obviously not having Vaughn Miller was big for them also. Especially considering that Cincinnati O line was a little bit banged up, but Bengals came out on top, and they're on their way to the AFC Championship. And our last matchup of this divisional playoffs was an old-school rivalry, an old-school matchup that we all wanted to see. Pete, your Dallas Cowboys went to Santa Clara to face the San Francisco 49ers in what was a game that I think we all kind of expected, a, a defensive battle. And this game was surprisingly close enough. You guys had your opportunities to win. Tony Pollard got injured, and that affected you guys' offense dramatically. That kind of returned to that to that questionable form where everyone's kind of asking, like, Dak, what the fuck are you doing? Like, <laughs> it, 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 it wasn't a good game. It wasn't pretty for him. And like we said, the, the loss of Tony Pollard, I think it was a, fra- a fractured fibula. Yeah, broken fibula. Broken surgery. fibula. So hopefully he he's able to heal up. He is a free agent this year. But Zeke wasn't able to get going. CeeDee Lamb had a good game. And I'm someone who hasn't been quite sold on CeeDee Lamb. But I will say after the f- past few weeks, he, he really has stepped up and shown me a lot. So kudos to him. But what did you make of this game that I know you didn't ha- you didn't have a lot of hope going into it. But it's got to be a little concerning with how you guys tend to lose these games year after year. Obviously, Brett Maher had a had another kick blocked that I don't think was going in anyway. The way <laughs> the way it looked, but yeah, tell it tell us how you felt about this game. Um, they had their opportunities, bro. Um, it sucks. I mean, it is what it is. You know, I mean. I think we were going into that game. I thought the Niners were the best team in the NFL. I mean, after this week, I don't know that you can really say that. Not after the way the Bengals played and not the way the Eagles played. But um, we have we had our opportunities. Dak, I understand the two picks, but they only got six points off the two picks. Our defense did what they needed to do, bro. I mean, for the most part, they shut down Christian McCaffrey, they shut down Debo, they shut down IU. And they shut down Kittle for the most of the game until the third quarter. That that drive was all on him. I mean, he made that big catch. They had a holding penalty on him. Um, we had a defensive holding, and that drive really, really lost in the game. Trayvon Diggs dropped that interception that was in his fucking hands, his chest. Um, that drive right there really killed it. Uh, really killed it for us. Uh, if there was hope for any any Cowboys fans or anybody hoping the Niners would lose. That was the drive that I think killed it. We had our opportunities after that. It's just, I mean, no matter what you, the way you put it, bro, the loss is mostly on Dak, bro. I mean, he's got to play smarter. Unnecessary movement in the pocket. Just not being a, a sound quarterback. I mean, not setting his feet into throws, not seeing defenders, jumping routes. Um, 
I've said I said it to a lot of people at work. I've said it to y'all. I mean, after Tony Pollard got hurt, which is who Kyle Shanahan and the Niners were pretty vocal about being a little worried about uh, our most explosive player on our offense. Yeah, they they were worried about him how they how they were going to contain him, and they weren't containing him. I mean, he broke his leg, and that's the only thing that that stopped him. To be honest with you, so uh, after Tony got hurt, bro, I mean. I just had no emotion, bro. I sat there and watched the game, no cheering, no anger, you know, no nothing. <laughs> like it just broke it just broke me as a fan seeing our best player get hurt. And lost a lot of momentum for sure. Mm-hmm. What that holds for his what that holds for his future, I don't know. Um I guess we'll see what happens. I don't know if the Cowboys changed their changed their mind. They're planning on franchise tagging them because it was only gonna be I say only, but it was gonna be ten million, which for his production, his explosiveness, I mean that's a good deal for the Cowboys to only have to pay him ten million and hopefully get what they could get that they got. I mean, hopefully they could get what they got this season. You know, yeah, a thousand a thousand rushing yards. You know, um, a couple hundred receiving yards. His playmaking ability. Uh, the Niners. I mean, they're just, they're just a better team. I mean, <laughs> Dak just made so many stupid <laughs> plays, bro. Like, I understand CD was the offense after Tony got hurt. He had what ten catches, eleven catches for one hundred and eleven yards, um, something like that. Some something like that. It was, it was really close at, to that. He, uh, ten for one seventeen. So um, yeah. he just force feeding it, bro. I mean, you go back and watch some of these plays. Despite his two interceptions, like I said, they only got six points off of it. He missed T. Y. Hilton on a wide open touchdown um, on the whenever he forced it to Ceedee Lamb with Fred Warner chased him back in coverage. He forced it to. Uh, CD Lamb another time where he got tipped. Fred Warner caught the interception. He had a fucking um, somebody in the flat wide open for the first down. It's just, it's just Dak, bro. I mean, there's nothing else to say about it. We needed a decent game from Dak. We didn't need a good game, bro. All we needed was a fucking decent game. He couldn't give, couldn't even give that to us. So, but uh, the Niners better be ready, bro. They they better <laughs> be fucking ready because that uh that Eagles offense is better than us. Regardless of what we average, you know, regard, regardless of our stats, they wow. better be ready, bro. <laughs> um, yeah, it, it, it's funny you mentioned the Niners. Obviously, Dallas didn't really perform. Dak, uh, I've mentioned it, it. I've mentioned it quite quite a bit the past few weeks as the regular season was ending. Is his turnovers, and that's the one thing I wanted to see out of Dak this playoffs was don't turn the ball over. That you, you know. And Brock Purdy is who I who I'm going to get to, and Tony, I'm going to talk to you about it next. Also, I just don't know what else you can, what else more you can do as a fucking defense, bro. We held the the number one offense since Brock Purdy became starter, averaging what thirty four point six a game. We held him to one well, and fucking that's, touchdown, and that's bro. Point. One and that's fucking touchdown. <laughs> is Dak? I mean, you hold the 49ers to nineteen points. You you know you should expect or want to win that game, and Dak didn't do nearly enough to win that game. I mean, obviously that red zone interception, crucial. But Tony, Brock Purdy, the opposite of Dak. He doesn't turn the ball over. He's been consistent, and he didn't flash. And you could tell that this Cowboys defense was getting after him a little bit. He he didn't look like this all-star quarterback that he's been playing since he's been in. But he was still went 9 for 29. Only 10 incompletions, 214 yards. Like I said, no turnovers, no touchdowns. You mean 19 for 29? 19 for 29, sorry. But uh, but he rode that 
really big drive by George Kittle, just like Pete said. What did you make of this 49ers team who faced a good a good Cowboys team? But I know I know you have a lot to say about this because I know you you want to talk a little bit of shit about Dak and the Cowboys. But what did, what did you make of Brock Purdy and the Niners, and what did you make about the Cowboys? Uh, well, I mean, I think Brock Purdy did just enough to win them this game here. Um, he didn't look like his usual self much to what you said, um, but he kept his game in front of him. I don't feel like there was any big moments where Brock Purdy looked like he was starting to fall apart. I just think that the Cowboys called a great defensive game against the Niners offense. They were able to slow down just about everything they were trying to do they were able to bottle up McCaffrey for big chunks of this game they were able to you know get after Brock Purdy for big chunks of this game and um, you know get him off rhythm get him running in the backfield uh, throwing less accurate passes that kind of stuff but I, I never once saw if, that Brock Purdy was completely out of his element in this game he came out every snap he looked confident he looked poised he looked like he was analyzing the, you know, the plays the best he could and reading the coverages with what time he had. The Cowboys just showed up on defense right up until the end. And I feel like they, you know, Pete said it in the chat. I think the defense just got tired and it's a tall ask to limit that 49ers defense for a whole game. And the fact that they almost did it, that's something to hang your hat on. But Dak Prescott just, wasn't ready for this game. I don't know what it was. I mean, you know, Gallup should have chased that, you know, route back, but at the same time, it seemed, you know, Dak threw that ball late. It seemed like all of his reads were late, just like an extra second or two late. He wasn't throwing with anticipation. He was waiting until the DBs or the linebackers had an opportunity to get back on the routes. Um, he was just straight up missing some passes. I, I, I think Gallup got wide open on a on a streak route, and um, he should have, um, you know, led him more inside or at least, you know, up. Oh, and yeah. he just threw it all like damn near to the sideline, and Gallup had to turn around and try and make what would have been the catch of his career in a spot where I felt like they needed a first down, they needed a big play. Dak wasn't able to go there. I mean, there's a litany of just mistimed passes, throwing the wrong route. You know, and I, I just don't know how to explain it. Yeah, the Tony Pollard injury hurts you. Maybe this was a game where the Cowboys needed to lean on their running backs more. But I, I, there was questionable decision-making all around. I mean, we don't have to talk about Ezekiel Elliott lining up at center if you don't want to, Pete. On that last play of the game, well, I don't give a fuck anything to get that man out of that uniform. <laughs> <laughs> the fact that the fact that they came out in that formation and Kyle Shanahan called a timeout, and you still come back out there with the same <laughs> like, come on, like he has a timeout to prepare for and have a plan for, it, and the Cowboys' last play of the season was was them just going out so sad. What happens? Ezekiel <laughs> Elliott snaps the ball. He gets put on his ass. <laughs> Dak Prescott gets rid of the ball. Receiver catches it, gets tackled immediately. Game over. Let's go home. <laughs> like, 
It it was just the the Cowboys went out down sad in that last fourth quarter. The fact that their defense gave them an opportunity to go and tie it. it, just give them an opportunity. But that last drive that they tried to run went so poorly. Every completion felt like it was just Dak Prescott taking the yards that the defense was letting him have. And every other play. Easy catch. Yeah. Down. And that Dak had two drives, two possible game-winning drives. that couldn't do it on either fucking drive. He three and outed the first drive. <laughs> they got so fucking lucky that Mitchell ran out of bounds oh, and yeah. gave them a free time. Bro, they still free didn't take advantage of it, bro. It's Man, it, yeah. No, go ahead. Say what you're gonna say. I'm yeah, no, I mean it's definitely not how you want to see them end the season and. Blake, let me ask you, because this is kind of a reoccurring thing with the Cowboys now with these very weird and awkward and just sour ways of ending their seasons. What do you think the Cowboys, A, need to do to get back to this point? And then, B, talk to us a little bit about Fred Warner's performance and Dre Greenlaw's performance and what's making this that that linebacker duo, just like you guys have Roquan Smith and Patrick Queen in the, as your two duo there, what's making them so successful and just how good Fred Warner is, probably the best middle linebacker in the NFL right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, t- tell us what you think. So, I mean, to go on that first subject that you just asked, um, Dallas Cowboys are going to be back. They're going to be back even if they run it back with the same roster. They're going to get back to the playoffs. I'm, I have no doubt about that. For them to get over the hump, I do think there are a couple pieces on both sides. They need to get another receiver, too. Because I do believe now, once again, just like you said, I was a big doubter of C.D. Lamb, but I will give him that receiver one spot now. He earned, He's earned it. Mm-hmm. Um, but they need to get a solid receiver, too help supplement him. Dalton Schultz didn't turn out to be that number two threat that they were probably hoping that it could be. Um, And then on the defensive side, they need to shore up that linebacking core, not Michael Parsons, but the inside linebacking core and the secondary. Um, Leighton Van Der Esch is a good run stopper, but he's a liability in pass coverage. Um, And I truly think that they need to solidify that secondary. They they can make a lot of big plays, but throughout the game, they're giving up a lot of yardage. That's the big, big problem I see. Um, but then to flip it to the other side, Fred Warner and Drake Greenlaw, they're the new Patrick Willis and Navarro Bowman. That's exactly, I mean, they're I on like the same it. That's team. A good, I love that comparison. They're, literally the, they're Patrick Willis, Navarro Bowman reincarnated. Uh, it's it's crazy what both those linebackers can do playing side by side. I think Fred Warner, like you said, is the number one linebacker in this league, and I honestly think you can give Dre Greenlaw top five inside linebacker in this league right now. Dre Greenlaw, to me, I, I've been looking at him a little bit more than Fred Warner because I've seen what Fred Warner can do year in, year out. But Dre Greenlaw is pretty much shut down in pass coverage, too. He's a great run stopper. He's fast, but he's covering the number one tight ends, and, and he's shutting them down. 
He's he's been shutting him down, yeah. bro. And he, yeah, even if Greenlaw <laughs> gets beat off the line or lets him get the catch, he's bro, he's pursuing and hitting that tackle like exactly. he's not missing the tackle no matter what. No, and it's like he, he if I'm not mistaken, he should have had another pick against Dak Prescott, but he dropped it. It's like yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Then he he's, he he jumped around. And he just dropped it. Yeah. He it would have been. I think I'm pretty sure it would have been a pick six too if he would have. It would have been a pick six because it it was this the second to last drive. Yeah. I mean, first, it was, first play of that drive. Yeah. It was. It's just impressive what he can do and kind of where he he just shot up out of nowhere too. It's just I think it's credit to D'Amico Ryan's, but he's uh. A talent that I don't know if the 49ers are going to be able to keep <laughs> because he's showcasing so much talent right now. But I think they're going to be a force to be reckoned with as long as they're together. Yeah, they, they've been extremely impressive for sure. And like you said, they're that new Patrick Willis, Navarro, Bowman combo. I, I love that comparison. I didn't even think about that. So um Overall, the 49ers handled business at the end of the day. The Cowboys definitely had the opportunities. I think, obviously, there's a lot to think about, especially with Dak's performance. I mean, Brock Purdy now has more playoff wins than (laughs) Dak Prescott has. They're tied. They're tied. They're tied. They're tied now at two. Give Dak some some credit. It's not (laughs) meant to be a shot at Dak, but it's more about, like, at some point, look at how much Dak is being paid. How much Brock's being paid and the production you're getting out the two QBs. Seven hundred thousand for Brock Purdy. And, and you know they <laughs> they they've given Dak some help. I mean, obviously he didn't have Tony Pollard. Zeke isn't the same. Ceedee Lamb's a beast. Dalton Schultz didn't do much, but he has a good defense. So it's not like Dak didn't have some help. I mean, they hey, held hey, him we, to nineteen points. We should uh we should all feel bad. Brock Purdy has made some more conference championships than any of our fucking quarterbacks. <laughs> any, <laughs> literally combined, huh? Combined, we got zero, bro. Damn. <laughs> uh, well, on that note, <laughs> we're gonna take a, a quick break here, guys, and then we'll be right back with um, our recaps of the AFC and NFC championship games next weekend. Uh, we're 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 getting close to the Super Bowl game, so. We'll recap these two games and then uh, we'll end this episode. So we'll see you guys in a little bit. Final play looks like barring a penalty. Prescott over the middle of the turret. Gets smoked right away. And that'll do it. The 49ers back to the championship game. So our first game of Sunday's championship games is the NFC championship between the 49ers and the Philadelphia Eagles. Now, obviously, the 49ers have been a team that I've talked about as being very scary this entire season. And they're going up against the number one seed basically all year long in the Philadelphia Eagles. I would say up until the Eagles game yet last week, everyone probably had the 49ers as a favorite, but the Eagles really impressed everybody in that Giants win. I mean, they handled their business in every facet of the game. And I don't think you could have, two better teams in the NFC Championship other than the 49ers and the Eagles. I think they've both impressed the most this year. <clears throat> and this might be the best NFC Championship game we've had in a while. I mean, both teams run the ball extremely well. Both teams can pass the ball. Both teams have stout defenses, and both teams have great coaching. Um, Tony, how about you get us started here? 
the 49ers, they're riding that Brock Purdy wave, and we keep asking, when is that bad game going to come? When is that bad game going to come? And like we mentioned earlier, we saw a little bit of that, a little bit of frustration, maybe a little bit of discomfort with the Dallas Cowboys defense and Michael Parsons coming in, which Trent Williams did a great job against. Um, But how does Brock Purdy continue that (laughs) momentum into this NFC Championship game and pull out an upset win against Philadelphia in a very hostile environment? Well, I think that the best thing for Brock Purdy to do is to um, follow the the coach's game plan here uh, for this Eagles team. I think that Brock Purdy, part of the reason he's been so successful is he's been willing to accept his role in the offense and, um, you know, he, he doesn't go off script that often. He doesn't call a lot of the plays himself. He's part of a scheme. He's part of a team and he's part of a game plan. And I think that when he plays his role in that, he becomes elevated along with the rest of the team. They're using all their weapons efficiently. Um, they're using their motion offense, the way that they're able to put plug and put different playmakers in different positions when He's a part of that when he is, isn't trying to make it about him or trying to play hero ball. That team is borderline unstoppable. So I think he's just got to go in, you know, stick to business, show up in a suit, go and do your work and go home and uh, be playing in the Super Bowl in two weeks. But <clears throat> if that happens is remain to be seen. This Eagles defense is good enough to beat this Niners offense, I, f- I feel like they're a good enough team to, you know, make things difficult for Brock Purdy and make things difficult for the offense. But if they're, if, if Brock Purdy is going to do it, he's going to have to do it by the book. Yeah. Give me, give me two key players, one from each team or a key matchup that you see will, you know, heavily impact this game and then give us a, a score prediction. <clears throat> so I, I don't want to do two key players, but I'll say the key matchup is going to be the Eagles offensive line versus the San Francisco 49ers front seven. Um, This has been a really good offensive line, probably one of the more impressive offensive line units I've seen in recent history with this Eagles team. Um, You know, obviously Jason Kelsey being kind of the, you know, he might be the most famous offensive lineman in the league right now, just with, how good he's been playing his podcast, the things that he does on and off the field versus, you know, this vaunted front seven with the 49ers that's littered with playmakers. We talked about their two linebackers. We almost forget about Nick Bosa and how great he is, how good he is at getting to, you know, the quarterback, how good he is as a run stopper as well. Tackles for losses, able to stop players, and him being able to contain and get to Jalen Hurts is going to be huge. And on the flip side of that coin, what the offensive line is going to be able to do to open up the running game for Miles Sanders and Jalen Hurts, Gainwell, all their other playmakers, it should be a lot of fun to see how those two teams are going to attack each other to different kinds of blitz, stunts, coverages versus <clears throat> all the different ways that you can, you know, scheme up blocks, the different kinds of uh, zone runs that this team is capable of doing, RPOs, the things that have been working relatively well for them. It's going to be an interesting chess match in the trenches, and I think that's going to be the ultimate determiner of this game. 
Uh, what what score prediction do you have for it? <clears throat> I got the Eagles winning this one here in a close game. Not a super high scoring game, a pretty average scoring game. I would take them to win this game 27-24. I like it, Blake. So I think this is going to be a much interesting, much more interesting game than I thought it was going to be. Um, as you guys know, I have the 49ers in the Super Bowl. I'm still going to be sticking with that being said. Um, I do think this Eagles team is definitely showing, once again, like we said, leaps and bounds, how consistent they can be, how good they can be, and that being at home against this 49ers team is going to be big. It's going to be huge. I mean, just like Tony said, it's it's going to be the battle of the trenches. That's really who's going to win this game is going to be whoever wins in the trenches on both sides. You have arguably probably <clears throat> two top defensive lines, and then the Eagles have, if not the number one offensive line in the league, they definitely are top two, top three offensive line in the league. So it's definitely going to come down to who wins the trenches. Um, my key matchup is <clears> – <throat> going to be probably Fred Warner versus Jalen Hurts. I think it's going to be big time for – they're going to have Fred Warner spying on Jalen Hurts a lot to try to stop that run game and keep him contained, kind of like what the Bengals did to Josh Allen. They're going to – that's the only way the 49ers are going to be able to win this game is to force Jalen Hurts to show that he's 100% back and healthy and force him to throw the ball. If you allow him to run down your throat like he's been, then it's going to be a long game for the 49ers. Um, But with that being said, I have the 49ers winning a close match. I have this as a 20-17 to 49ers win. Pete? Oh, man. Uh, As much as as I want to take the Eagles because the way they've been playing – I like kind of like Blake said. I gotta take who I have going to the Super Bowl, and I have the Niners winning it. Um, the way they played against us, it kind of makes me doubt it. I think it's gonna be kind of similar against the Eagles. I mean, their D line, their linebackers. I mean, their secondary. I mean, my key matchup. Though, I'm, I'm gonna take the I'm gonna take the Niners to win. I think it's gonna be close. So I'll go ahead and say twenty one seventeen. Um. But I think the the key matchup, bro, to me is going to be Brandon Ayuk. I just think that the Eagles are going to focus so much on shutting down the same three players that we shut down in Kittle, uh, CMC, and um, Debo. I think Ayuk can potentially have a big game because I imagine Slay is going to be on Debo for the most part. Um, I don't really know if – the Eagles' corners travel because they're so good on both sides of the field. Yeah. Um, but I can imagine they're going to put their best corner on the best receiver. So I think IU can possibly have a big game. Um, <clears throat> but on the other side of the ball for the Eagles, I think it's going to be Hassan Reddick. I want to see him come out there. And Micah had a 40% pressure rate. I know he only had one pressure against Trent Williams. But he had a 40% pressure rate in the game, which is one of the highest pressure rates of the season against anybody, especially the 49ers. Um, and Brock Perry just has to, like, kind of like Tony said, he just has to go out there and play his game. He can't do too much. He has to 
He has to do what the coaches ask of him. He has to just if he needs to get the ball out quick, get the ball out quick. If they're if they're able to run it, get uh let him run it. You know, Christian McCaffrey's kind of nursing a calf injury. We'll see how that affects their run game. Uh it's just gonna be a good game. I mean, playing at the length, that's gonna be tough, bro. I mean, them fans, we know how that fan base is. We know how the Sirianni is. He's like a damn player. I don't know the last time I've seen a fucking head coach run out onto the field and celebrate with their players after a touchdown. I mean, he's out. I don't, I've never, I don't know the last time I've seen a fucking coach yell at a ref telling him, I know what the fuck I'm doing whenever he's down there in the fucking, on the two yard line when they're about, when they're about to score a touchdown. So uh, I think the Niners got a tall task ahead of them. Like I said, I really want to choose Eagles, but I'm going to stick with my pick and go with the 49ers, uh, 21 17. Yeah, well, I actually thought you would go with the Eagles too. Um, how we were talking earlier, but I, I, I'll be I the first to, to say <laughs> also, I, I was impressed with how the Eagles played. They 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 really came out and they put on a show. And I have the Forty ers going to the Super Bowl as well. And I think this is a game that's. I mean, I don't know if you could get two very, like, such close and similar teams. To play I, just think, I think the Cowboys matched up well against them. We just don't have the offensive weapons. The Eagles have that. So, I mean, that's the only doubt I have with the Niners. But I just got to stick with my picks. Yeah, I, you know, both teams have a lot of weapons on offense. Obviously, we've <laughs> talked about them for the 49ers and the Eagles, Devontae Smith, Miles Sanders, Dallas Goddard, A.J. Brown. But, yeah, Hassan Reddick versus Trent Williams, I think, is a big matchup. Uh, personally, I think this game's going to come down to who controls not only the trenches, but who controls the middle of the field. We've talked about the 49ers linebackers, but then for me, it's also can the Eagles step up and cover that middle of the field with George Kittle and Christian McCaffrey? I think whichever team can really succeed in utilizing their, their tight ends and their running backs. Because I, I, ha- I just have a feeling that this isn't going to be a receiver heavy game in my eyes, but I think it's just, you know, it's, it's a tough, I think this is a classic matchup. This is a playoff matchup that you would want, you know, good running, good defense, good coaching on both sides. And you, you got to give Nick Sirianni some, you know, some respect of, he could be talking, uh, coach of the year if it wasn't for a lot of these other coaches also so and Kyle Shanahan just has it just seems like he just always has the right play call when he needs it but yeah give me the 49ers 24 to 23 over the Eagles in an extremely close game and and I think a matchup I think we'll we'll see for the foreseeable future. But give me give me 49ers over the Eagles. I have the 49ers going to the Super Bowl. That leads us to the Bengals versus the Chiefs, our last uh championship game, the AFC conference championship game. Obviously, the Bengals are riding this extremely hot wave of momentum. They just they just beat Buffalo, who were a lot of people's Super Bowl favorites to begin the year. But they're facing Kansas City at home. Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs have never lost at Arrowhead in the playoffs. But Cincinnati just seems to have 
that antidote. They seem to be Kansas City's kryptonite. And Patrick Mahomes, although we know he's the best quarterback in the league, he's the best player in the league, hasn't been able to beat Joe Burrow, and he's 0-3 against them at this point. What do you guys make of this Bengals-Chiefs matchup at Arrowhead, which is obviously one of the premier <clears throat> loudest stadiums in the entire league? Andy Reid, who's arguably the best coach in the NFL right now. Um, Pete, how about you start us off on this one and tell us tell us what you think about this matchup and who you have winning. Dude, oh, it's such a hard pick. I mean, both games are so good. I mean, they're just premier matchups. You can't really ask for anything more with the way all these teams have been playing. Um, it is really hard to pick against the Bengals right now with their weapons way they've been playing. But I just I can't go away from Patrick Mahomes. I mean, I know he hasn't beat him, but I, I can't go away from him and Andy Reid. I just – it's hard to pick because Mahomes' injury, I don't know exactly how mobile he's going to be. We know how good he is when he gets out of the pocket. Um, I'm going to go with the Chiefs, though. I just – the way Pacheco's playing, I mean, the way I mean, we see what Travis Kelsey's doing – and if they focus too much on one of them, we see what he can do with McKinnon. I mean, we see what Juju has done this year. I know he hasn't been great, but he's done enough. I mean, uh, Valdez Scantling's done enough this year. Um, just having Mahomes back there, is, uh, to me, is the game changer. It's quarterback one and quarterback two in the league. Uh, uh, I, I just don't see how <clears throat> the Bengals really control – the trenches. I mean, with them offensive linemen injuries, I know the Bills have a good defense. I mean, they were the what the number one, number two defense to in to in the season. Um, I don't know, bro. I just can't pick against the Chiefs right now. So yeah. I, mean, I just got to go to Chiefs. Uh, I think it will be a close game. I don't. It's hard to pick a score. I'm just gonna. I'm going to go high scoring. I'm probably go 34-31. I don't know that it's going to be so much of a defensive game, but I do think uh, I think Chris Jones will have a big game. I think he'll be able to make he – he knows he has to come out. He kind of got shut out last game. He knows he has to come out there and do something a little different. I think the coaching knows that they have to do something a little different. And with having some inexperienced linemen, I know they had – I don't know if he was a rookie, but he was getting his first start at left tackle last week with the Bengals. They're down uh, three out of the five offensive linemen. After being great all year, they stuck together for 15 <clears> games. And then they broke apart. Uh, yeah, give me the Chiefs. Yeah, Blake. I can't, I can't go against them, bro. I mean, I just I trust Andy Reid too much. So, I definitely have the Chiefs winning this game. Um, no knock against the Bengals, but the thing is that the reason why I have the Chiefs <laughs> winning this game, and I think it's going to be it's going to be a close – it's going to be a little bit of a shootout, but I do think the Chiefs end up pulling away. The main reason is that the Bengals are ranked 29th in sacks and they're 25th in pass rush rating. Um, and kind of everyone's kind of seen in the playoffs or any time really Kansas City or Patrick Mahomes has lost and not looked great, it's because a team is putting heavy pressure on them. And so if the Cincinnati Bengals can't get to Mahomes, even if he is injured, they stand no chance. I, I, doesn't, I don't care how good they've been playing offensively, how good they've been playing defensively. 
it all comes down to Sam Hubbard and Hendrickson if they can get to Mahomes. Um, I don't see that happening because they haven't been able to do it consistently all year. So I do have this as a Chiefs win. I have this being a 34-27 to 27 game. I also say um, with McKinnon having a quiet game last week, I, I don't want to say they did it on purpose, but uh, I wouldn't be surprised to see McKinnon come out there and get a lot of touches because the Bengals aren't yeah. going to be expecting. They've seen Pacheco have a big game. And like, oh, they're going to rely on Pacheco, and I think McKinnon can get a lot of plays out of the backfield. Specifically, pass catching plays, obviously, because that's that's what he's best at. Tony knows McKinnon, <laughs> the ex Viking. Uh, Tony, give us uh, give us your score prediction and tell us a little bit about this matchup. Yeah, so um, I think that uh, you know that this is going to be a, a back and forth game. I think between these two teams, uh, I really think that you're going to see the. The Bengals come out in the first half of this game motivated, getting after Patrick Mahomes, um, you know, more than they normally would, and um, their offense being successful. We've seen them come out with tons of energy early in games, um, and they've been able to, you know, have quarters and, you know, long periods of time where they really control the game. But I think this is going to come down to – how much time can you give Patrick Mahomes to get you a field goal? And that's how this is going to go. I think it's going to be, uh, you know, Mahomes erasing another deficit. I think he's going to go in, march the team down, you know, down a point, And they're going to take this, I'd probably say, 30-28. Against the Bengals with a game-winning kick after a, a fourth-quarter drive by Mahomes to get them in field goal range. Yeah, but the Chiefs cannot let the uh, Bengals come out and start the way they fucking – the way the Bills let them start because, man, they get that momentum going. I mean, Joe Burrow just – I know he didn't have a huge game last game, but, I mean, he didn't have to. He came out there, he had a great first and second drive, and then his run game really just took over. Yeah, the Bengals are a team that obviously just – find ways to win they can win and you know with jamar chase with t higgins with joe mixon but yeah the the chiefs are just it's hard to bet against them you you see patrick mahomes and we've talked about it a lot this podcast we've talked about it all seeing all, all season long and he's 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 an alien you know, he's just different. He's a, he's a man amongst men, or he's a god amongst men. When honestly, when it comes when it comes to football, he's probably the most talented quarterback we've ever seen. That being said, I know the Bengals don't have the best defense. I know they might not have the best O line, but it's just one of those matchups where their their firepower on offense, I think, matches up better than any other team in the NFL when it comes. Uh, to the Chiefs offense and Joe Burrow, Joe Shiesty, Joe Burrow just seems to have the right combination. All right. And I just got to ride with it. They were, I picked them to win, to go all the way to the Super Bowl. And I, I maintain that. I stay strong behind it. I, I think you, it's another classic Joe Burrow versus Patrick Mahomes. And I think we mentioned it earlier this season. Is it a Patrick Mahomes and Josh Allen league now? But I think it, you know, 
with how this season is really starting to unfold, that narrative is starting to change that a lot of people are starting to take Burrow over, over Josh Allen. And this is the key matchup that, again, this is the same AFC Championship matchup from last year. And this is another, this is one of those matchups that I can foresee, you know, being another AFC Championship in the future for sure. But that being said, Joe Burrow has a big game, has a clean game. I think ultimately it comes down to who has the ball last. And I think that will be Cincinnati. So give me the Bengals 27-24 over the Kansas City Chiefs. I think it'll be another great. I think I think these are like four of the best teams we've ever had in AFC Championship in the last few years, to be honest. Where I would say like either one of these four teams could confidently win the Super Bowl, I feel like. And I do want to mention, I know I'm a little stuck up. I don't give a fuck. But I think I'm the only person who had all four of these teams in this uh, championship round. So I'm, I'm proud of myself for that since my Raiders were knocked out a long time ago. <laughs> it didn't give me much to root for, but I'll, ta- I'll take my little wins where I can because it was a long season for me. That being said... You've been doing a lot of research since your Raiders have been knocked out, so you, you've had some <laughs> extra time to look into uh, the fine details. I always do research, Blake. You know this. The quantum <laughs> physics research. Yeah. Yeah, it's not the physics research behind. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, when I'm the only one who got all four teams right, I'm not mad at it. Something's working. So. Talk your shit, Steve. Something's working. I'm, maybe my team's not working. <laughs> Get your shit off, bro. But my predictions might. So, I, either way, though, like I said, all four of these teams are extremely, are extremely, extremely good teams. Either one can win the Super Bowl, in my opinion. But. We're getting we're getting close to that to that to that Super Bowl matchup, and I think it's going to be a, a great end of the year. NFL season always comes way too slow and ends way too quickly, but we're almost to the end. So I want to say thank you to everyone for tuning in. We appreciate all our listeners, all our viewers. We're we're promised we're trying to get better and smoother and faster with this whole process, and we have a lot of big things coming. So we're excited for this weekend, and we'll see you guys next week.